Welcome to The Transition, where Alice Kaprinsky and Dimitri Williams talk music, sports, culture, and anything else that comes to mind. Here on episode 17, Alex, Dimitri, and Steve push through technical difficulties and discuss the latest storylines in music. Enjoy the show. Welcome to The Transition, episode 17, version 2, because we filmed, or filmed, we recorded about 20 minutes of of uh, version one and then my computer just crashed so take two i have alice kaprinsky in the studio in another room i have steve taylor on skype you know miles and miles away and i'm just here chilling at my desk so what's going on gentlemen hey man we're gonna get it popping <laughs> hopefully Yo, we gotta get some higher tech equipment bro <laughs> dead ass dead ass we need to the the podcast the the transition podcast needs to upgrade at this point. We're we're too big for um for Skype and <laughs> <laughs> we're too global. All right. Anyway, so we're just gonna jump right into. It. We don't really have much time to waste. So we we're talking about Soldier Boy originally, and just to kind of condense the conversation a little bit and just kind of jump in where we left off. We were talking about how Soldier Boy is kind of a pioneer in a way um he doesn't really get a lot of the credit he is due because he's kind of a character more than he is a true artist but if we look back in the social media the the beginnings of the social media era as steve was pointing out he was really one of the first pioneers with the myspace the youtube and kind of having his own independent thing going before it was popular to do that like it is today so he was the first one really leveraging that um and getting heavy clout off that even though his rapping wasn't the best so he's employed a lot of strategies since the beginning that now people are starting to to jump on and have jumped on over the years and he's coming back into the limelight saying like you, don't throw dirt on my name i'm soldier boy like i made some of y'all so final thoughts on that gentlemen uh yeah that was that, that was a great summary to get to catch us right back up to speed um, the <laughs> only thing i only thing um, I remember saying that wasn't mentioned from your summary was just to me talking about how he was um, willing and able to collab with a lot of artists. He didn't sure. look at the spotlight as something he wanted to hog, as something he wanted to share. Yeah. And uh, that's something we can't say about a lot of big name artists. I'm not going to go down to names again, but, um, you know, I mean, people can do some research on Google, see, you know, who uh, headed a, a, a label and kind of did they people dirty. Jay-Z. You know what I'm saying? People that <laughs> people who stole um you know what I'm saying lyrics, borrowed stuff and you know, in a sense got caught and when they got caught they called it borrowing or paying homage, but really it was like, Oh, let me take this little known thing, use it and uh, you know, I mean, blow up off of that. Alex, how you feeling? I couldn't agree more. Steve said you summarized it really well and so just the original meme like we were talking about before and he's influenced an entire generation of what I think Steve made a great point of in people that sell their personality rather than music anymore which I think Soldier Boy really was the originator of that kind of concept of I sell myself rather than I sell actual good music and people are willing to buy into and kind of follow the personality that I am rather than follow the music I make. True, true, true. Um, okay, so that kind of wraps that up. And in terms of my opinion, I kind of second what both of those guys just said. So then 
we moved into and this is where things got lost we moved into r kelly of course he's under a lot of scrutiny right now for um sexual allegations sexual assault and just overall just being an awful human being behind closed doors i'll just sum it up like that um and alex i believe if correct me if i'm wrong but the question you posed to steve was whether or not nowadays can we still listen to uh, R. Kelly's music knowing this? Can we separate the music from the person and still be able to say, okay, he created these things and they're a separate entity from the man himself, R. Kelly, and all these heinous things that he actually does, you know, in his in his free time or whatever. Um, and Steve, you were elaborating on that. So if you want to continue. Yeah, um, like I mentioned um he for for better or for worse, he is a music legend. Um, like I mentioned, um, a lot of people uh, played his music, and that's the reason why some people exist now. You know mm. what I mean? Because of those because of those love songs. And you know, like I was saying, like he made something that was not only iconic for his career, but look at Space Jam, for example. You know what I mean? Are you going to fast forward the movie? Are you going to mute it when his when his part comes on? True. Um, it's it's just going to be hard to ignore those things. Um, and like I said, is I don't agree with what he did personally. I think, um, especially in Chicago, you know what I'm saying? We're all the we're all the G's at everybody that's you know <laughs> pulling up on people from the dice game. You know what I'm saying? People that's you know what I'm saying people that's hugging the block. You can't owe them a dub. But um, your little sister, cousin, whoever can get peed on in the video can be taken advantage of, can run these streets with no um, parental supervision. I think, you know, people need to crack down on that, too. Um, and as parents, you know, they, they need to be more accountable to this stuff. And I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, these young girls got taken advantage of. But at the same time, you know, you need to be more responsible and, and as a parent and and supervising what's going on, not putting them in certain situations, because I do think, uh, like I've mentioned to a certain degree, uh, people are willing to pay a big price for fame. And I'm not saying that, you know, all of those allegations are false, but I do think there's, you know, where there's, where there's fire, uh, where there's smoke, there's a fire. But uh, also, you know, I think that some people thought of him as a, as a legend and an icon. And in a sense, uh, were honored to be around him and in his presence, and then you know they weren't as responsible as they needed to be. And then as they mature, and then they look back on situations, they kind of feel embarrassed or know that hey, I was a young girl and I got taken advantage of, and you know now they want to you know tell their side of the story. But at the end of the day, regardless, for a rumor or allegations alone, that is definitely worth an ass whooping. So I'm telling you right now, it couldn't have been nobody in my family or none of my nieces or nothing like that because the rumor alone will get you your ass beat and any confirmed facts um, will get you more. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Mm. The Taylor family is handing out ass whoopings all spring (laughs) if you don't come correct. You heard it here first. But Alex, you're about to say something? Thousand percent. I couldn't have said it better than Steve. I mean, R. Kelly is unfortunately kind of, I don't want to say, he's molded himself within the fabric of music culture for about 25 years now. So it's very hard to completely distance yourself from a guy that's really had a hand in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hits. Oh, you know what? One last thing. I want to bring this up. This is something that I brought up just to uh, kind of see what your guys' take is on this. When all this stuff was coming up in social media, um, 
what I did was there was people making some comments, um, posts about stuff. I made some comments. And then it prompted me to make a status that, you know, got a lot of comments um, about what I said, which was that um, I look at the situation of what R. Kelly did and, you know, just as a uncle, as a, as a grown man, as a, uh, you know what I'm saying, as a godfather. I look at what he did and I don't see much difference between R. Kelly and Hugh Hefner. And mm. I think the only difference you can make is that um, Hugh Hefner got weighted in a sense to all these girls was 18 or whatever and put them in the same situation and made a business out of it. And because they were the quote unquote legal age and they quote, uh, quote unquote had freedom to do whatever it is they did. People don't look at it in a different light. And I'm just interested in what you guys' take is on that because I look at it as no different, especially with Hugh Hefner being, what, 70, 80 goddamn years old and taking advantage of these young college girls or young adults. And one thing I mentioned in the comments was that you don't you you can't run that type of game on people in their mid-30s, 40s, and beyond because grown women that experience things and live life and also have some money that are not in need of a handout um, will not be caught in certain situations. So do you think that's a fair comparison? Because people are looking at it as, oh, that's apples and oranges. And I'm like, not in my book. I don't see it as such. I think they're both predators. Thousand percent. Hugh Hefner is nasty. I just, just I, I was actually reading an article that made that exact same comparison the other day. And I 100% agree with you. They both have just have been really systemic predators for nearly their entire existence. And another kind of thing that I think is interesting to note about this is, like you said, people are very, very, very thirsty for fame and are willing to do a lot of things to get it. And it's hard because you walk a really fine line here because obviously you have actual allegations which have been proven pretty true regarding R. Kelly. And then you have Chris Brown about a week later after these documentaries have aired, who got arrested in Paris for accusations of rape and just got released. So it's tough because a lot of people will do a lot to kind of get to these artists money and kind of get a piece of what they're making and what they're doing because they are so famous and kind of in today's culture if you kind of overstep your bounds even a little bit, you can lose a lot. So I think there's a fine line to kind of walk from a lot of perspectives here and that you have to be very certain that these accusations are true because there's going to be people trying to take advantage of either side of this. And I, and I just want to kind of reiterate what R. Kelly did was disgusting and I'm not a huge big, I'm not a Hugh Hefner guy either, but I think it's just, just really important to make sure these accusations are true because stuff like this will ruin careers, will ruin people's persona, will ruin their just just will ruin their person in general. So it's just really important to make sure these accusations are true before you really go forward with the character assassination. And you get your ass whooped too. So. Yeah, yeah, thousand percent. <laughs> oh, definitely. definitely. And it, no, and I think Alex is right about. Um, I think on both ends too, because like um, you know, say for instance, whatever happened, whether it was full out outright rape or whatever, if something happened 
happened to these women when they were, you know, underage, don't stretch the truth either, because you don't want to lose credibility by, by you know, stretching the truth and, and making it out to be more than what it is. If something happened, like you said, let's make sure that these accusations and these facts are concrete, 100 percent on point, no fishy stories, no withheld information, because this is serious stuff we're talking about. And, you know, you don't want to be uh, thought of as the person coming up with these false accusations, because at the end of the day, he is a celebrity and we don't know these people. So you don't want to lose your credibility and, you know, risk the, the your livelihood, your future and people not wanting to work with you if you are an artist or just or just getting a regular job. You know, nobody wants that type of controversy. So when you come out, know what you're doing, make sure the facts are correct and don't be wishy-washy and switching up on the stories. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That's it. That's all I And, you know, the thing is, I feel like and just as like a final point, I feel like the thing is. Once so many of these stories come out or, or from the uh, from the victim's perspective, that is, then you kind of slowly get more and more details trickling in. I agree with Steve when he says and, and of course, it's emotionally traumatizing. So I know this is easier said than done. It's, it's probably a very difficult thing to do if you're a victim in this situation. But I just hope that they come forward with everything all at once. Full story, full truth. You know, no deal, no detail left out because, you know, this is burned into their minds for the rest of their life. So they remember every single, you know, encounter, whatever, what have you. So I just hope all that comes to light properly. So the true um, uh, assailants, I guess you could say, in, in um, to use that word, get, you know, what they deserve. And R. Kelly, I definitely think is guilty. I'm going to just put that on. And yeah, who Hefter is also disgusting. I almost forgot about him. But, you know. Let me just say my piece on that. So moving on from that, um, there's also to, to go back into the positive side of music um, for a little second. Everybody's favorite uh, rapper, J. Cole, dropped a song yesterday, I believe. Was it yesterday or today? I think it was yesterday. Uh, pretty sure it was yesterday. Yeah. It was yesterday. OK. Pretty sure. Uh, how are we feeling about it? I know you both listen to it. I listen to it. Shit's fire. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Cole doesn't do anything wrong, man. I mean, J- Cole does not make a bad track. That's looking yeah, like a fact right about now. That's a fact. And it, when it comes to the features, what he said on that 21 Savage song, forgive me, I don't know the name. I just know J. Cole's oh, one. Wow. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's right about batting a thousand on features. Um, Cole is undefeated on features. And um, I'm ready to pull up on the Academy. I'm tired of them doing <laughs> this man dirty. I'm tired of good music not being appreciated. And more importantly than just uh, reputation and winning Grammys for the sake of winning them. He is a, he's, he's an all-time great in his prime right now. And, you know, for the people outside of the hip-hop community, they don't really care that much um, about hip-hop and about legacies and stuff like that. But, I mean, come on, man. This is one of the all-time greats that you're going to continue to disrespect. You're going No Grammy nominations for damn near anything. Like, come on, he definitely had album of the year. But just because of all of the collabs and projects, you got to recognize this man for something. And they keep doing him dirty. And I'm tired of this damn academy. And they're going to get it right eventually. They going, they have to. Eventually. Steve, can I do a hot take real quick? What's up? What if I was to say that Cole was not the best lyricist on his label? What would you tell me? You got to give me a name because I don't <laughs> believe that. If, if I was to say that I thought J.I.D. was a better lyricist than Cole, would you would you think I'm crazy? 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> man. Why do you say that, Alex? Do you actually feel that way, or you just what ifing? I think they're very comparable. I don't think I just don't. I mean, I love Cole, like, and I would. I think he he's my favorite artist as of now. But I just I think Cole is elite lyrically. I don't think it's just I just it's interesting to look at that Dreamville roster to me, and I I think he's got well. First of all, I think he's a mass a roster that is as good as TDE, which I didn't think was going to happen in my life. Pretty ridiculous. But when I listen to DiCaprio 2 or The Never Story and kind of just listen to how J.I.D. makes words and the construction of his rhymes, I just think he's on par with that of Cole. I think Cole, as a concept artist, makes and as a lyricist itself, makes just spectacular songs. And I think his music is much more powerful and speaks to the person much more powerfully. But purely as a lyricist, I think Jid is right there with him. In all hey, honesty, JID ain't batting a thousand, man. That's all I'm saying. He ain't batting a thousand <laughs> on the features. And oh, and wait, wait, wait. You don't think the Never Story in DiCaprio 2, he's batting a thousand? I'm talking about on features. I'm talking about you happen with somebody else's ish. And you either outspit them or you make them max out on their lyrical ability for a track. And I'm telling you, he, don't get me wrong. I like him because I don't want this to sound like, you know what I'm saying? I'm dissing J.I.D. I like him a lot. But you just compared him to Cole and said he's on that tier or possibly above. No, 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 no. You got to listen to this. <laughs> you got to listen to Taboo and to Denzel Curry's project and go listen to his feature on there. Y'all gotta go listen. I mean, to, listen, listen. Y'all gotta go back and listen to Friday Night Lights. I don't listen to these podcasts, and as much as y'all talk about Cole and some of his best projects, I think Friday Night Lights is top three, and I don't think y'all mentioned it once. I think you talked about the warm up. Um, I know y'all definitely talked about uh, Four Sales Drive and stuff like that, but I'm like, come on, Friday Night Lights as a mixtape. Where yeah. is where is JID's Friday Night Lights as a mixtape project in his discography? Where's that at? It's I think it's in my A. Jack right now, but I mean, I think I also think the sideline story is a is a top three Cole project too. I mean, that's it, it, it used to be. It used to be not anymore. What? How's the discography rank? Um, for me, um, I'm only going to include Friday Night Lights in the mixtape because to me that was something like to put it in perspective. For me, Friday Night Lights as a mixtape was equivalent to like one of Wayne's dedication. So it's a it's a mixtape okay. classic and it's on a different tier. So I'm not gonna include his mixtapes in it, but besides that one. So yeah. I would say definitely number one would have to be um Forest Hills Drive. I don't I think that's pretty much universally considered Wait, his best project for Cole. You think Forest Hills Drive is better than KOD? Yes. No. Yeah. yeah. What? It's my list. Can I have my list? Damn. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just, like, I'm <laughs> just, can you let Steve breathe? You can have your list. You can have your list. That's fine. But I thought we were all on the same page with that. So I was a little shook by that. But okay, go ahead. Okay, so I was number one for shows drive. And get ready to be shocked again, Dimitri, because KOD is not two. I would still say Born Center is just, to me, a little bit better as a project. Born Center slept on album. Uh, yes, definitely. Born I think. Is I think pretty good, though. Born Center would be number two. Number three would be Friday Night Lights. Um, n- number four would be KOD. Okay. Um, number five, Sideline Story. And then number six would have to be 
um, for your eyes only. Which I, I think you're sleeping very hard on that album. I love listen, that. Listen, I I like it a lot. Don't get me wrong, because this is this is how great Cole is. On what I'm ranking to be his, I don't even say his worst album. It's just not his best album. You know what I'm saying? We have to yeah. rank them. So on his sixth best album, he still gives you Neighbors. He still gives you a song like Change, which I really like and, and I thought was underrated. He yeah. still gives you um, even the, the self-titled album. I think that, the, I think For Your Eyes Only. Track's one of his best songs of all time. For Your exactly. Eyes Only. He, that's one of his greatest tracks. Even if you look at um, Immortal, if you look at um, just a bunch of, like, don't get me wrong, that was a great project. But what I'm saying is if I have to rank them as a, collectively as an album over I, it's like how could you put that over born center how could you put that over kod you're definitely not putting it over four so drives i can see a case to be made of putting that over the sideline story but that was kind of his breakthrough and you still had like just great cold tracks so like for me i would have to rank it at that point and and neighbors is up there like that might be one of my fav- top five favorite cold songs and i think one of his most important songs um, just because I think that was kind of where he made this transition in in his um, his career. But hey, I mean, it is what it is. Is Cole underrated? Yes. God yeah. damn it! Look oh, what yeah, the Grammys sure. keep doing to him. Look what the Grammys keep doing to yeah, him. But I, I'm not talking about the. I mean, if you look at what he, what the the reception of his albums, though. I mean, no, but, how many streams he gets from the public itself? I understand. I see the the streaming point, but at the same time, when I just see, I don't know, when I see, when you look back on like hip hop and things like that, and see historically how they they paid homage to the people who were on top in their given times, and what Cole's getting now, it just doesn't seem the same. Exactly, that's the the reason. So we know they suck at giving out awards. Um, It's just the the fact of they are supposed to be an academy recognizing the best of the best and. Even if you want to call it a shoe award and giving it to somebody who deserves it because they've at least earned that top spot or they've owned um, that particular year. I can't remember a year in, in recent history where a, a rapper literally owned a whole year better the way Cole did. He murked every feature he was on. He had an impactful album. He gave you great content. And he did it with some heavyweights. He wasn't just born with rookies. He went on people's tracks, uh, the Sojourner, obviously uh, Voices track, like so many. Um, and he was just giving you all-time great verses, different topics, different flows. And he owned a year. Like if, if, if this was like the if NBA, this was his MVP year, and then somebody else gets the MVP. And we're like, whoa, he's not even top five in MVP votings, and he's the real MVP of the league. I'm like, you can't do that. I feel that. I feel that. Also, shout out um, Ville Mentality off of For Your Eyes Only. That's my favorite song off that project. That I listen album. to that every single day. Um, yeah. Um, Steve. Oh, What's up? I guess I want to ask. I think Cole has the potential to have, like you're talking about, I think the depth of his music I'm not sure reaches what his actual potential is. Because my thing is, I look at Kendrick, I look at Good Kid, Mad City, and I look at Topimba Butterfly. And I think as a concept and as actual just like conceptual albums within themselves, they have much more depth. 
than anything that Jay Cole has ever done. And I don't want to I don't want to hate on Cole because Cole has this innate ability to make very difficult concepts easy to understand in my opinion. The relatability element is a lot higher than Kendrick, but I think Kendrick has the ability to dive into different concepts a lot deeper than Cole has proven on any of his albums. And as far as just like an album goes and how I kind of like to approach classic albums, I believe all of them have to have, or at least when I like to listen, very deep rooted concepts within them. And KOD, I think, was an important album. I think it was almost, a, I don't want to say surface level, but I think he could have dove a little bit deeper on some of the tracks. Do you think J. Cole, as a lyricist and as a conceptual artist, can go to another level from here? Or do you think we're kind of seeing him at his peak as an artist? Or do you think he's going to kind of mature like a hove and when he's 40 or 45 years old, drop something like a 444? Um, well, here's the first, first thing I'm going to say. Um, I agree with that Kendrick dives into a deeper concept. I like to pimp a butterfly a lot. I think you're giving it a little bit more credit than it deserves. Um, and part of the reason why is one thing you have to understand about J. Cole, lyrics aside, he's a producer and a pretty damn good producer at that. Yes. Part of creating the concept of, of, of the music, obviously music is sound, so we're listening for certain things, and when you hear a certain type of beat and melody, you kind of get a vibe of what kind of songs you're going to get, and then when you look at the title and then you compare those things, it all comes full circle, and then the lyrics paint that final picture via word. You can't underestimate and ignore how much work goes into creating a, a quality beat that not only sounds good and makes sense with the song, but perfectly aligns to the flow, perfectly aligns to the message and the delivery of the song. And as a producer, I can't ignore the fact that he is actually responsible for both ends because it's one thing to be um, a, a, a person that is good at selecting the beat and hearing different stuff and saying, no, this isn't for me or this isn't the sound and going through them. It's another to actually be the man that creates that and then go ahead and creates the final piece of the content, which is the lyrics. So just based off of that alone, I can't ignore that fact. And I can't put somebody who's not a producer above a person um, that does that. And then still, he's an, he's elite at both levels. He's an elite producer, which he's underrated with that, too. And he's an elite lyricist. So I think... I think he will be able to um, continue to speak his mind thinks it is relevant and give his unique twist on it. But I, I think it's fair to, um, to, to make that a step. Um, just what he always at this point in his career. Like, and that's why the awards matter. You know, it's, not, it's not just for bragging rights. It's like, look, he's a great, and he deserves to be acknowledged as, as such. So we need to, we need to put that in the awards category too because we, we do the same thing in sports we always talk about this person is great how many ranks how many mvps how many accomplishments and it's like you still are dependent on voters and other people to award you but they need to you know what i'm saying they absolutely need to and i think i think cole honestly needs to get a little bit more selfish and 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 um just kind of really focus on you know proving 
listen, I am that great, and you're going to give me this no matter what. Like, sometimes people just make that piece of art, which is a, a classic album, and nobody can deny its greatness, and it has to be awarded. And he has done that, and it hasn't gotten the proper recognition. Um, some of that was part of the release dates. But I want to see I want to see him win one just like everybody wanted to see LeBron win that first championship. You know what I mean? Because his legacy deserves to have that. I mean, I agree. I've always I mean, I've disregarded the Grammys in all honesty at this point oh, as, a, as a gauge of anybody's personal greatness. They've ignored too many good albums of this great albums at this point to kind of, in my opinion, have themselves solidified as the musical titan that the consuming public makes them out to be. But I don't know. I think it, Cole is content with, well, obviously I don't think he's content at this point based off of this song he released yesterday and kind of the track, especially the 21 Savage track. I think you're right though. He's kind of entering this transitionary period of finally kind of understanding how at least disrespected he feels in his mind. I mean, he obviously feels he's making the best music right now, and as far as reception goes, is not really getting his due. So 2019 J. Cole, I think, is going to be a really interesting thing to watch and kind of see where he goes as far as conceptually and production-wise go. Because the critique that I hear a lot, and I actually agree with it, is that his production is all done by himself. And I, I think J. Cole is an excellent producer. I think he's very good at what he does. Is he the best at what he does? No. I think there's a lot of people that do that make better beats than him. And if I was Cole, I'd be trying to take advantage of that a little bit, as well as taking advantage of his own label talent, too, and putting it on his album. I mean, I love hearing J. Cole on an entire project, and I have no problem with that. But he has too much talent around him, both producers, engineers, and just label talent itself to kind of not have them featured prominently on his albums. I want to hear a J. Cole Ari Lennox song on his album. I want to hear a J. Cole Earth Gang song. I want to hear a J. Cole Young Thug song. I want to hear I don't J. Know about Cole. That one. I got that a little bit off of the features, <laughs> off of the features this year, and I'm going to give him that. But I want an album just dead, just just kind of that branches out a little bit more from what he's done over the past five years. And I get what he's done is great, but I think he's reached the point as an artist that he needs to kind of make a little bit of a change, a little bit. Because he's proven that he can, he can do what he can do very well and be very successful. But I think we've come to the point that I want to see a little bit more from Cole. Because I, I think he's... I think he's the second greatest artist of my personal generation. And I want to hear more from him and hear what he has to say. So I'm excited for 2019, but I'm also excited for Earth Gang in 2019, even though Dimitri refuses to listen to any of their EPs. You know, I'll I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try eventually. Road to Mirrorland. Road to Mirrorland. All right. Let me, let me type that down in the notes right now, but (laughs) uh, it's funny. Now that you guys were talking about this, I've never seen, I've never really stopped to think of j cole as a stubborn person but now as i'm kind of reviewing 2018 and and i'm kind of starting to see like a more holistic picture of what he was doing i feel like he was trying to like this was his way of saying okay this is why i'm the best because i can produce it myself i can be on it by myself and i'm still i'm still putting out one of the best projects like he decided to do it 
put it on his own shoulders to show you just how good he is. But maybe that's not the route he should have been taking. I don't know. But I now, personally, you, you I know thought what, it was you great. Know what, the only mistake he made, this is the mistake Cole made for a long okay. time, which was that he would give you, you know, he tried to keep us warm in the wintertime. He would give us that fire at the end of the year in like, you know, uh, December or, you know, late in the year. So what that would mean, you know, once again, I had to fixate on this, but that would mean from a Grammy uh, nomination standpoint is it wouldn't be eligible until the next year. Mm-hmm. So, like for instance, when he dropped Forest Hills Drive, that was the end of 2014. So it wasn't eligible right. until the next year's, and then that kind of collided with the new stuff. But because it had been out for more than a full mm-hmm. calendar year, in the, in a sense, it, it, it somewhat lost relevancy. And then you also had other great projects, so it kind of got overshadowed for that nomination. Now I feel like, and he did that for a few of his projects. Now I feel like the opposite problem. And he dropped in spring with an excellent concept and he gave you stuff but it was in a sense it was so early into one of the better years in hip-hop in, in recent history that it kind of got oh, oh it was so great but it was kind of too early so then by the time you know maybe september october hits and you have these other projects it's not forgotten about but the buzz and the allure from that album has faded because now summer has ended now you know really fall has ended now you're going into winter so now you know, some of the other stuff, um, for instance, like a Cardi, who just, you know, she stayed relevant and she was popular. She kind of kept that buzz, but not just for music's sake. You know what I mean? Whereas though he's not a bunch of interviews, he's not, you know, out in the limelight for the sake of being seen. So it's kind of like that spotlight, you know, it's kind of like it shifted. So personally, if I think if he just dropped albums in September, that's a good time of the year. He's going to get the credit he deserves. And I think that, too, one of the problems he had, I think um, one of my favorite songs, Be Free, that should have been on the Four Your Eyes Only yeah. album. That, um, False Prophets. He does little stuff like that where he drops these hits and these singles and stuff, and they're not part of a major project. So it's kind of hard to not some of his best pieces because they're tracks versus being a part of a collective. Mm. Interesting. That's an interesting point. I never thought about that actually. Um, I wonder. I'm not sure if we even even touched on this, but what do you guys think of the track um, from yesterday? Specifically, I mean, he fired shots at Yay, so I'm happy. But facts, it was it was cool. I thought I thought the beat was nice. I thought I didn't think it was crazy or anything. I thought it was really really nice though, and I thought Cole flowed nicely. I liked the hook. He spit bars. I mean, I didn't think it was anything like...